It is a happy day for yours truly, Charles Adler, and I hope a happy day for anyone who has access, whether it's video or audio, to this particular podcast. I have not partnered for quite a while with uh, Warren Kinsella. Uh, he's an author. He's a blogger. He's a newspaper columnist. He's a lawyer. He's a veteran of many winning national political war rooms and uh, so much more. He's also a painter. And uh, he's, uh, he hasn't been with me in, in quite a while, so I'm a little bit sentimental about this. Warren Kinsella, welcome back to the Charles Adler Show. Thank you for having me. Warren, you've been writing a lot lately about October 7th, uh, Israel, Hamas, anti-Semitism. Without throwing you a question, I just want everyone to hear you riff about uh, your in-the-moment feelings about all this. What, what, are you, what are you thinking and what are you feeling about all of it? Well, it is a dark and dangerous time. And as you know, Charles, I've been writing about organized hatred and uh, anti-Semitism um, for more than three decades. That's how old I am. And I always knew it was there. It was there in every part of this country, uh, in every region. But I, I have to admit, I did not know it is a, it was as bad as it is. And, uh, you know, the forces of hatred, I didn't know they were as numerous as they are. And we're seeing it manifest itself all over the place in ways that I don't think any of us expected. So it's scary and it's upsetting, but it's incumbent upon those of us um, who have a view that is, in my case, uh, supportive of Israel and supportive of Zionism and supportive of tolerance to step up and speak up. Uh, Because, you know, as the saying goes, all that it takes for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. So I think all of us have to step forward and add our voices and push back. Now, the other day uh, in uh, one, one of your tweets, and yes, I'm one of your many, many followers, uh, you mentioned that uh, the Jews were around at the time of Jesus. And of course, for, for people who don't know, uh, I guess uh, breaking news, uh, Jesus was Jewish. But the yeah. reason for the, the reason for that piece of real estate in the, in the Middle East, um, why did you mention that Jews have been around that area for thousands of years? Why, why does that matter to the overall global discussion that we're having? Because history is being deconstructed and essential truths are being denied. Most recently, that women, Israeli women, were raped on October 7th. We've had members of legislatures. We've had uh, prominent people denying even that. Um, So I guess Me Too is uh, important, except when it involves Jews. So history is being ripped apart before our very eyes. And it is absolutely critical that those of us who know a little bit about it tell the truth of history. And the truth is that Jews, Hebrews, were in the area now known as Israel for thousands of years before Christ. And Christ himself, as you point out, uh, and I'm an Irish Catholic, uh, full disclosure, um, was a Jew at all relevant times. He was a Jewish rabbi. And, um, you know, <laughs> it just how people are suggesting that the state of Israel has only existed since 1948 really testifies to the importance of making sure that they know the truth about history, whether it's the birth of the state of Israel or the Holocaust or many other recent events. We need to make sure that people understand what the truth is. So if we're into full disclosure mode, and I guess we are a full disclosure, uh, I'm not a Christian, but I love the teachings of Jesus. 
And I don't know why any rational, hopeful, loving individual wouldn't be, but that's, that, 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 that's everyone's a business. And I'm not saying this uh, from a religious perspective. I'm saying it from a philosophical, from an idea, from an inspirational uh, perspective. Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, one of the most inspirational uh, human beings who ever uh, walked on this earth, and whether or not uh, I choose to accept him as a personal uh, savior uh, is not the point at all. Uh, he teaches love, and I can't imagine him abiding by what some some of his own followers are doing when they're in denial of, of some, some basic truths. Now, one of the reasons, Warren, I gather it's important to talk about how Jews were in that neighborhood thousands of years ago is because I guess many people believe, and I hate to put it this way, but certainly many Gen Z people seem to believe the Jews only showed up there 15 minutes ago and stole a lot of land and killed a lot of people. And I don't mean to sound simplistic. I'm repeating the simple crap uh, that I've been hearing. How could so many millions of people, especially in what we call Western civilization, be so utterly uneducated? Well, there's two parts of the question is how has it happened, but why is it important? It's important because, as you know, we say, um, you know, Jews are not interlopers in that part of this planet. Uh, they have been there for a long time. And so I understand the desire of Hamas and Hezbollah and anti-Semites everywhere to deny the reality of the Jewish people and the Jewish state. But as I say, we cannot let that prevail. We need to make sure that that story is told. But how is it happening? You know, during since October 7th, some extraordinary things have been happening that uh, all of us, I think, never thought we'd see in our lifetimes. There was one day, I don't know if you recall, Charles, where there were uh, a bunch of kids, affluent white kids in a high school in San Francisco, one of the most expensive cities in, in America, and if not the world. And they had a staged a walkout, not just in support of Palestine, but in support of Hamas, even after the truth of what it, Hamas had done on October 7th started to come out. So I dug into it as a researcher and a writer, find, like, how the hell has this happened? And because the same week that that happened, Harvard, which has got problems of its own these days, released a study showing that 55%, 55% of 18 to 24-year-olds in the United States of America believe that Hamas was right to do what they did. And that, that just blew me away. It's like, how the hell can that happen? Uh, it's just so terrible what happened on October 7th. How could these kids believe that? The the main search engine, so I'm, this is a long answer, I apologize to a short question. The main search engine for Generation Z, as they're called, is TikTok. It's not Google, right? It's not other forms of inquiry. It's TikTok. And TikTok, uh, which is mainly headquartered in the People's Republic of China, is a manipulated platform. It is designed uh, to communicate to young people all kinds of things that are often untrue, uh, one of which is that you know, Hamas was on the right side. So, you know, that to me testifies to the critical need to ensure, like hate, the one thing I've learned about hate over the, you know, 30 plus years I've been writing about this stuff, hate flourishes where there is ignorance. You know, it's a cliche, it's obvious, but it's so true. You know, James Keegstra, who taught Holocaust denier, denial and anti-Semitism in a, court, a classroom in Eckville, Alberta, 
for 14 years unmolested, unopposed. He was able to do that in large part because there was not a Jew within a two-hour drive of Eckville, Alberta. It's between Calgary and Edmonton. So, you know, what we need to do is be making sure that we're educating young people and, and ourselves about the reality of uh, evil forces like Hamas and also the, the reality of the state of Israel. And uh, it, you know, it's easier said than done. I know we're talking about a 10 to 20 year project here, but we got to get to work because obviously everywhere, all of us are seeing it. We've got a big problem. Warren, uh, you've been uh, studying and writing about hate for, for quite some time. Um, and I know that you take the subject very, very seriously as more and more of us are in light of the events of October 7th and, and what's happened after that. So I need to ask you this uh, question. And if you feel that the premise of the question is incorrect, We've known each other for a long time. Uh, I can take criticism, and I can certainly take criticism from you. So if, if, if I'm incorrect in what I'm positing here, uh, please um, take me out. Here's the question. Of all the identifiable groups, whether they're religious, ethnic, racial, orientation, you name it, why is it that it's easier to stoke hatred against Jews than anyone else? Why is Jew hatred, the easiest fire to start? Uh, well, you know me long enough to know that I'm always going to try and tell you the truth. I don't, I don't know, Charles. Like, I don't get it. You know, it's not racial. Uh, Jews are not a race. You know, there are Somalian Jews who were brought back to the, the Jewish homeland some years ago. Um, it's not... Uh, based upon gender or sexual orientation. You know, Israel alone among all the surrounding countries in the Middle East accepts people of um, LGBTQ people uh, to the extent that, you know, just a few days ago, some uh, men who were accused of being gay in the West Bank were murdered for being gay. Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. You know, Jews are like everybody else. They come in all shapes and sizes and colors and points of view. There are conservative Jews. There are progressive Jews. Like, I, I just don't get it. You know, and sometimes you'll, you know, I've been writing about it for such a long time. You know, they'll say to me, um, well, you know, they run Hollywood, you know, and they, how do they have so much money? And, you know, why are they in, why there's so many of them are lawyers, for example. You hear that a lot are doctors. And there's an answer for that. Well, it's because, you know, throughout history, when they've been discriminated against and subjected to pogroms, they were told they were not allowed to own land. And so they moved into professions like where they, they could actually earn a living and put bread on the table. And then when the state of Israel was created, one of the first things they did, and this is the terrible tragedy of October 7th, is set up those kibbutzes. Kibbutzes are farms. They're farms set up by the Jewish people in Israel. They're wildly successful. And the people who populate those kibbutzes along the border of Gaza and the West Bank were people, the most progressive Jews of all, like, you know, socialist Jews. Those are the people who ran those places, as you know. And what a terrible tragedy it was that Hamas murdered and slaughtered the very people who most wanted to accommodate the 
you know, the the objectives, the desires, the hopes, the dreams of the Palestinian people. It's just, I don't, anyway, that's a long and meandering answer, and I apologize, but I don't get it. I don't understand it. You know, uh, I'm considered a veteran talk show host. I've been doing it for more than half a century. I could go into any part of Canada, the United States, and if I had a translator, any other part of the world, but certainly any part of the English-speaking world where I can be most effective. And it doesn't matter whether it's a big city or a small town. If I'm brand new to the market, I turn that microphone on, and I want to get reaction, hot and heavy reaction immediately, and make a name for myself, make impact, the easiest way for me to do it, I could be in a coma and I could get this done, is to spew anti-Semitism, is to spew hatred of Jews, cobble together all those conspiracies, convince people that Jews are at the root of all that is wrong in their society, their culture, their country, and their life. It's easy to do. I'm not saying I couldn't do that with other groups, but there's nothing easier to foment than Jew hatred and if the average person were asked hypothetically, could you foment Jew hatred around the world after more than 1,400 of them were slaughtered the way they were on October 7th and the rapes and the kidnappings and the children and, 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 could you use that event to stoke Jew hatred? I'm positive, Warren, that the average rational person would say, what a ridiculous question that is. It is, but it's happening all over the place, you know, like, like, Indigo, okay, Indigo, it's a bookstore. They sell books and candles and towels. It was targeted by 11 people, including a elementary school music teacher and a paralegal and a professor. Like they've been charged now, right? So I guess I should say it's alleged. They were, they targeted a bookstore in downtown Toronto because it's owned by a Jew. Like it is bewildering. It is inexplicable. Like, you know, on the, on the weekend, I had some friends, you know, one of my friends who I've known for such a long time. And this friend said to me, well, you know, Palestinians uh, aren't allowed to become citizens in Israel. And, and he believed it. And I looked at him and I said, oh I said to him, Palestinians are part of the judiciary in Israel. They're part of the armed forces. They're, they're in the Knesset, in the Israeli legislature. You know, our points of reference, our shared knowledge, the things that we can all agree upon have become disconnected. And that is a very dangerous time. You know, as Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda minister said, if you're going to tell a lie, make it a big lie and say it over and over again. Sooner or later, you're going to get some sucker who believes you. I believe that that is what happening is happening, and the principal medium for that to take place is the one that we're on, is the internet. There is just widespread abuse of platforms, you know, including on X. You know, you had the richest man in the world saying that the great great the white replacement theory was true. He said that. <laughs> like it's just extraordinary the stuff that's happening. We have to all push back. White replacement theory, uh, anti-Semites spread the white replacement theory. Uh, you had the march uh, in, in Virginia, Charlottesville, where 
uh, Donald Trump said there were fine people on both sides and they were talking, the, uh, the marchers with their, their torchers were saying, they will not replace us. And they meant Jews will Jews. not replace us. Yeah, Jews, Jews, Jews will sorry, they said, um, so thank you for the correction, important correction. Jews will not replace us, meaning that there's a, this replacement theory, conspiracy theory, that, that, that Jews want all white people, generally meaning white Christian people, to, re, to be replaced by people of color. They, they want people of color coming into the United States or whatever country the Jews are in to wipe out uh, economic opportunity for, uh, for white Christians. And once again, as, as crazy as that sounds, it's very easy to get millions, not a handful, to get millions of people to believe in this. Now, I want to talk about the, uh, the blame the victim business because there's no way that you have any kind of a conspiracy theory that focuses on hate without then blaming the victim. So some people want to blame the victim because they're not happy with the Netanyahu government. I've never heard you say anything positive. I've never heard myself think or feel anything positive about the Netanyahu government. But many of the people who want to blame the victim say, well, it's because of Netanyahu. Um, if it wasn't for Netanyahu, we wouldn't have all this anti-Semitism and we wouldn't have Hamas. Your take on that excuse, it's Netanyahu's fault. No, Hamas has existed. Their charter was written in 1988, long before Netanyahu achieved any kind of significant power in Israel. So it's bullshit. Um, Hamas and PFLP, and it's always had a predecessor organization, the PLO, you name it. There's always been a terrorist element, uh, you know, subjugating not only the people of Israel, but also the people of Palestine. Because the thing to keep in mind, and I say this as an Irish Catholic, you know, I liken this often to Northern Ireland, you know, the people who are most persecuted and most put down by Hamas, who's really run the place for 15 years in the West Bank, in, in, in Gaza, is Hamas, the Palestinian people. You know, and like in Ireland, you couldn't speak out against the IRA because you'd get killed. And so the IRA hid themselves amongst the populace in Northern Ireland and extended that problem for many, many years as well. So there's a model that they've pursued, but I think, you know, Israel's decided to prosecute this war and try and eradicate as many elements of Hamas as possible. But on Netanyahu, let me say, and here I'm a Zionist and I'm saying this, Netanyahu is a crook. Netanyahu is facing, when the, this war concludes, which hopefully is soon, he is facing three separate corruption prosecutions. Three. And then the New York Times revealed yesterday is not only is he likely a crook, he's also incompetent. As prime minister, the reason why he was elected prime minister is he promised security. Well, there was a complete failure of security in the state of Israel on October 7th. And then the New York Times reports yesterday, he was warned clearly and unambiguously warned about what was going to take place a year ago. And he dismissed it. So I don't think Netanyahu, I think he's a goner. I think after the war is over, he is going to be gone as well and good riddance. But to say, uh, to suggest that Netanyahu is the reason for the uh, waves of anti-Semitism that we're seeing, um, you'd They'll agree to that. That's, that's, a, that's the, a misplaced the, excuse. The, They'll use yeah. any excuse. Like Heather right. Reisman, like the, does she, does she, is she involved in, creating the ceasefire or breaking the ceasefire. She sells books and candles for Christ's sakes. What has she got to do with it? 
But this is what's happening. Team Hamas, as I call them, they're expanding their list of targets. You know, this week, the, the lighting ceremony, the Christmas tree lighting ceremony in Rockefeller Center, right? You and I have been there. It's nice. You know, as you have little kids singing and people skating around the bottom of the tree, like what the hell has that got to do with the war? But these extremists, these people decided to attack that tree lighting ceremony with something that was nice. And I think there's a message there for people who are not of the Jewish faith is, you know, it always starts with the Jews, but it never ends with the Jews. And that was proof on, on Wednesday night when they went after the tree lighting ceremony. When I saw that, the first uh, thing that hit me was uh, Martin Niemöller was alive and well in New York. Martin uh, Niemöller, of course, the the German pastor, uh, famous for his uh, first they came for the Jews, and I was not a Jew, and then goes on to all of the other groups um, that were that were captured, and many of whom were extinguished uh, by the by the Nazi operation. Yes, the Nazis were anti-Semitic, but they were anti a lot of people. In the end, frankly, they were also anti anti anti-German. So, Warren, I want to ask you uh, to move forward a little bit from what we're discussing with, with Hamas and hate to the hate in this country for the prime minister. Now, I'll just uh, sort of qualify this question. This, I get that uh, you don't think that Justin uh, Trudeau should be prime minister. I get that you would want him to take a walk in the snow, and you've wanted him to take a walk in the snow in a long time. But I think you can separate your feelings about Justin Trudeau's politics from the F. Trudeau bumper stickers everywhere and from the massive amount of hate that we have for this particular prime minister, I doubt that you want him to walk in the snow because of the convoy haters and the other haters. So what's the hatred for Trudeau really all about? And I just want you to get right into the Canadian marrow on this. Well, the haters, you know, uh, haters are always going to hate and they're irrelevant, marginal, angry people. And regrettably, they're always with us in our politics, uh, whether it's in the Middle East or in Canada. So, you know, the the convoy stuff, I think I was uh, one of the most vocal uh, critics of them. I think uh, they were a disgrace and I think a lot of them were criminals and I was delighted to see their leadership criminally charged. But you know, it's too easy, I think, for the Trudeau guys, which is a, you know, a rapidly shrinking number of people, to just blame that. You know, the Leger was out this morning showing that uh, 75% of the country want him gone, and 33% of them are card-carrying or self-described liberals. And I think, you know, in fairness to the guy, it's no single policy. It's not that he was a drama teacher or any of that bullshit. It's just he's been there for a long time. You know, he's been Liberal Party leader for more than a decade. He's been prime minister for, you know, what is the equivalent of two full majority terms. And people want to change. Change is good in democracy. And, like, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I don't like Pierre Polyev either. I think he's a dick. But, um, you know, he governments defeat themselves, as I say uh, all the time. You've heard me say that a lot. Justin Trudeau is busily and cheerfully defeating himself. You know, he needs to accept the reality that the majority of the country want him gone. They want to change. They believe it's good for democracy. They believe it's good for the country. I believe some of them will come to regret it. But, you know, he's got to go. Like, I, at the end of the day, you know, I was the special assistant to a prime minister. I've run as a liberal candidate. 
I am a liberal. I am like somebody like me, they've lost me. And it's not just me. There's lots of people like me. And they've lost me because I think they have become what they came to Ottawa to change. They became the very thing that they said they opposed. So it's, it's you know, it's good to have a change. And, you know, I don't see Polyev being there for a long time. But Charles, Pierre Polyev is going to be prime minister. There's just no doubt about it. So Joe Biden has been uh, president uh, since uh, January, was when he took his oath of office, January of 2021. Uh, this is December of 2023. So you run the numbers. Joe Biden hasn't been in office for eight years. Joe Biden hasn't even been in office for four years. It would seem to me that there's as much antipathy to Biden as there is to Trudeau. Your thoughts? Yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, I work for Biden. Um, I'd worked for Hillary in a bunch of states before that. Uh, you know, the only political campaigns I work on really now, well, I helped out a municipal candidate last night in Toronto and we won. Yay, Parthi. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't get involved in federal campaigns. I work for the Democrats. And so I love Joe Biden, you know, and I have some affinity for older candidates who get called yesterday's man who have some difficulty with the english language and end up surprising everybody they get underestimated right you know kretzian is a lot like biden but you know yesterday charles my blood ran cold 27 percent of independents are all that biden has got um he cannot win without because you, you've lived in the states i've lived in the states he needs independence backing him in uh, 2024 in the way that they did in 2020, and they're just not. So I think it's unfair and ridiculous, the age thing, because Trump, you know, is a son of a bitch, is only four years younger than Biden. But for some reason, they and, and, and the American economy, like, you know, what are they, 10% of the world's economy? Uh, ten world's population, they're 40% of the world's economy. Like everybody in the United States, like you're doing well. It's like, we're all jealous of you, United States, but they're mad at Biden. I think it's the temper of the times. You know, like when you look at Polyev's support, like he's an angry guy. That's how he became leader. And it, it, it amazed me that he did because usually, you know, in a campaign, you have two buttons, hope and fear. And hope is just a better button right? It's hard to sustain fear and anger for a long period of time. But Polyev has done it. And I think he's succeeding at the present time because the country's angry too. So too in the United States. You know, Biden is kind of a hope kind of politician, but the country's just in no mood to hear it. So um, does a change to Newsom, you know, doing a, a head fake and a quick change to Newsom or somebody like that help? Um, uh, Possibly. Uh, I don't know. But I know that, you know, with a war in Ukraine and a war in the Middle East, like if the, the, the Troika, the triumvirate would be the re-election of Donald Trump. That's it. Lights off. Over. Uh, I'm just heading up to my cabin and shutting it down because I think it's we're doomed when that happens. If Donald Trump wins the election in the fall of 2024, so the fall of next year, about a year from now, if Donald Trump wins that election, does that bode well for Justin Trudeau? Do many Canadians look at the election of Donald Trump as a reason for going to Trudeau, even, even if they're not crazy about him? Uh, well, I mean, to some extent, um, you know, Trudeau was assisted by Trump. 
Um, you know, if you looked at particular issues, whatever mistake, you know, when Trudeau wore blackface, which is an egregiously racist thing to do, Trump could always be counted on to do something worse. So yes, Trump does assist uh, somebody like Trudeau. Um, you know, but by the same token, we're Canada, right? We don't have an army. We don't have, you know, strategic power. Uh, we don't have a diplomatic voice that's listened to really anymore. So we can't really get into a fight with the United States. So if, let's say, Trump gets reelected, we can't be in the business of pissing on his shoes. Trudeau wisely didn't. I think we all know he didn't like Don, Donald Trump. He opposed Donald Trump. But, you know, he's not going to come out and take a swipe at Donald Trump because they can punish us, you know, with trade and other things. So, uh, you know, yes, he would benefit from it to some extent, but not to the extent the Trudeau guys uh, are convincing themselves. I say Henry Kissinger. What does Warren Kinsella say? Uh, this gets back to the first thing we talked about. I have been, you know, I, my way my parents raised me, and uh, I think you know it, you don't speak ill of the dead and because uh, it comes back on you. Um, it's bad luck. It's a bad thing. And I have been shocked by the reaction I've seen of some people I know and I respect um, about the death of Kissinger. Yes, I know uh, Cambodia. Yes, I know Nixon. Yes, I know all of that. Um, but, you know, when the, the Yom Kippur War happened 50 years ago, you know, he saved, I think, is one of the people along with Golden Mayor, he saved the planet from being plunged into World War III. So he wasn't entirely bad, just like all of us. I wonder, Charles, if anti-Semitism is in the mix a bit, because he was Jewish. And uh, the vehemence and some of the stuff I've seen about him I just wonder if it's mixed in with what's taking place in Israel at the present time. Uh, he was Jewish, but uh, he did say to uh, Richard Nixon that he was uh, Jewish as, American as, a, as an accident. It was a, an accident of birth and that if he wasn't Jewish, uh, he would be an anti-Semite because their anti-Semitism has been around for more than 2,000 years. And so the Jews must be doing something wrong. Yeah. No, he was an asshole, like, like for sure. But I just your parents, you know, your late I, parents would not be upset, even though he the body isn't uh, cold yet. They wouldn't be upset at, at their son Warren calling uh, Kissinger an asshole. No, he committed widespread carnage and and murder in Cambodia. Um, he extended the Vietnamese conflict, which was a terrible conflict. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, it's just the vehemence of it, the, mm -hmm. the personal nature of it. You know, it's like getting back to what we were talking about with Heather Reisman. Why, why Heather Reisman? You know, like, well, what's the big deal? And I think, you know, anybody who runs a, a Jewish business or is a Jew these days, Kathy Landwer in Toronto or a community center, like, you know, there's bad things taking place. And there really is a vein of anti-Semitism revealing itself in a way that a, a lot of us haven't seen before. Warren, I missed you a lot, brother. Thanks for having me on. Don't like, don't edit out like the good bits. Just edit out the bad bits. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my friend, uh, lawyer, war room veteran, author, uh, lawyer, blogger, Newspaper can't keep a job. Can't keep a can't job. Can't keep a job. <laughs> <laughs> the itinerant 
Uh, Warren uh, Kinsella, and I should mention Painter as well. Yes, he's a house painter, but he's also also an artist. Warren Kinsella joining us uh, from somewhere in somewhere in Canada. I mean, he's in witness protection, folks, so I don't know where he is. No, uh, you can find me. I got an Israeli flag <laughs> flying out front. If they're going to take me out, they're going to do it. They're going to find me. I'm not hiding. So come my and get has, motherfuckers. My mud has my mud. My bud has uh, more guts than, than the slaughterhouse. Warren Kinsella and yours truly. You can find us on any podcast, on any platform, Google, Apple, Spotify. I don't care. Warren doesn't care. Thank you for joining us on the Charles Anthony Show.